Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark. Uh, this episode is going to be an original episode. My plan initially was to record a brand new episode with my uh, new co-host, Ben Reschlag, but Ben and I have just been unable to find the time to get together to actually record because uh, he's been busy with university and I've been busy, uh, very busy at work. So with any luck, the podcast in a fortnight will be a new one it should be i've got all the material prepared we've just got to find some time to get together uh so anyway enjoy this uh, original episode with my father jeff clark uh, on non-secateurs welcome to hunting humbug 101 i'm theo clark and i'm joined today with my father and co-author jeff clark g'day dad how are you g'day theo in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about non-secateurs, but we've also got some news. Uh, those of you who regularly visit our website may have noticed there's been a change. It's now www.skepticsfieldguide.net, and that's happened for a couple of reasons. One, just a general rebranding of the website from being a blog more to a resource for uh, critical thinkers, and the main resource that's going to be on that, besides this podcast, is our ebook edition of Humbug: The Skeptic's Field Guide to Spotting Fallacies and Thinking. And it's the ebook version of the paperback edition, although it is uh, cut back a little in that the introduction uh, from the uh, paperback edition is not in the ebook. Although in today's uh, edition of the podcast, we're going to read some relevant bits from the introduction that relate to non-secateurs and how to make a decent uh, argument. So the ebook is there for personal use or for educational use. Obviously, uh, we maintain the copyright on it, but go for it in terms of distributing it and getting the word out there. The more people that understand critical thinking and fallacies, the better as far as I'm concerned. Now, in today's edition, we will be looking at non-secateurs and so, without further ado, we will be reading a little bit from the introduction to the paperback edition of Humbug, and then we will look at non-secateurs. Okay, this section really set the scene for the whole book, and uh, I'll start with the heading, Logic and Reason. In his 1946 book, History of Western Philosophy, the philosopher Bertrand Russell makes a clear distinction between scientific beliefs and other ways of knowing. It is not what the man of science believes that distinguishes him, but how and why he believes it. His beliefs are tentative, not dogmatic. They are based on evidence, not on authority or intuition. We believe that Russell's view on what characterises the epistemology of science can be applied as a general exhortation to the seeker after truth. That is, the proper concern of the seeker after truth is the soundness or otherwise of the reasoning behind an assertion rather than the assertion per se. The following commentary is intended to introduce the reader to our perspective on some of the general principles behind sound reasoning. Whether engaged in a discussion, forum, debate, lecture, public talk, seminar or tutorial, or in reading and writing, the seeker after truth should always keep the following deceptively simple questions in mind. What are you saying, or what am I saying? Why do you believe that what you are saying is true? 
or why do I believe what I am saying is true? What are you saying or what am I saying? A common problem encountered when attempting to understand the reasoning behind an argument is the wording of the argument itself. In debates between antagonists, misunderstandings often lead to fruitless and unnecessary conflict. When proponents and opponents of a position are actually talking at cross-purposes, they are not addressing the same proposition. Similarly, when a reader misinterprets a writer's intention, there is no engagement with the substantive ideas in the article or book. A necessary condition for a rational argument is therefore clarity of expression. If the proponent cannot put a clear argument, the argument does not merit serious consideration. In some cases, an argument is so badly put that the proponent may be engaging in deliberate obfuscation or at least careless indifference. Whether in a formal debate, an informal discussion or in writing an essay, the question, what are you saying or what am I saying, forces the the proponent to clarify an argument. Once the nature and terms of the proposition are clearly established, the second question can now be asked. Why do you believe what you are saying is true? Or why do I believe what I'm saying is true? In response to this second key question, the proponent should now seek to justify his or her position. Justification is the essential difference between a mere opinion and a rational assertion. An opinion is a belief based on untested grounds, and the foundations of an opinion often don't stand up to careful scrutiny. While it is possible that a mere opinion could be true, the seeker after truth will remain sceptical so long as the opinion remains unfounded. In contrast to an opinion, a rational assertion is a view that is consistent with the known facts and based on reasoned and sound argument. In short, it is justified, and at the very least, the justifying argument should contain no obvious fallacies. Identifying unreason and making your case. If an argument is not illogical, that is not internally inconsistent, it doesn't follow that it's rational. A rational argument should not contain any fallacies. Attacking the quality of reasoning underlying a fallacy is at times a common-sense task, given that many fallacies are obvious non-secateurs. Non-secateur is a Latin term which literally means does not follow. However, a heightened sensitivity to fallacies can be cultivated and developed. Humbug is a tool which has been designed to be used as an aid to recognise common fallacies and to critique fallacious arguments. Uh, The checklist at the end of the book, that is the contents on the website, allows fallacies to be identified quickly. Once a fallacy is identified, it needs to be isolated and nullified. This can be done by demonstrating the the error or errors in reasoning. The 35 fallacies which constitute the body of the book collectively provide a large number of worked examples for consideration by the reader. Once the reader has considered a significant number of these examples, he or she should be well equipped with an armoury of debunking techniques and sceptical strategies which can be built upon in the future. The type of reasoning that we are advocating is in the tradition attributed to the Greek philosopher Socrates. He considered himself the gadfly that God had attached to the state of Athens, In his view, God had chosen him to interrogate the pretenders to wisdom. Socrates was adept at asking questions, questions that revealed misconceptions and flawed reasoning. 
Socrates was the first well-documented seeker after truth in the historical record. He believed that the search for the truth was of the highest importance. The Oracle of Delphi proclaimed that there were none wiser than Socrates. The self-proclaimed wisest men of Athens were oblivious to their own sciolism. They were in fact ignorant, but thought they knew everything there was to know. Socrates was wiser than they, not because of what he knew, but because he was aware of his own lamentable ignorance. Okay, so that's the section from the uh, introduction to the book. And what we're going to look at uh, today um, in a bit more detail then um, is the specific fallacy of a non-sequitur. And a non-sequitur, um, basically, as we said in the thing, it literally means doesn't follow. So if someone makes a conclusion or a statement that doesn't logically follow from the previous argument or statement, um, they're making a non-sequitur. And so a lot of fallacies are non-sequiturs, but... And so, you know, if you, if you can't actually specifically point out the, the fallacy off the top of your head, you generally, as a rule of thumb, assuming you're right and someone has made a fallacy, are safe in saying that they're making a non-secateur. Yeah, uh, the non-secateur is um, the classic name of a fallacy which is used in, say, feedback on student essays. So uh, in from time immemorial, um, academics have written the comment, this is a non-secateur. When, when, we, when you receive a criticism on an essay or an argument that says you've made a non-secateur, it forces you to backtrack and to see whether there is a logical connection between a premise and a conclusion that you draw. Uh, the other word that's sometimes associated with this is uh, whether something is warranted. Uh, we use the word warranted in general conversation, but a warrant is actually um, what connects a premise with a conclusion. So if your statement is unwarranted, it probably means that you committed a non-secateur. Mm. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the best examples of a non-secateur that's e- extremely good because it's completely absurd uh, is from Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail. Is that the right word there, Dad? It's the right Yeah, the Search movie. for the Holy Grail. Everyone knows yeah. that, Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so it's the Search for the Holy Grail and... As they're looking for the Holy Grail, the the king uh, goes past these villagers who have rounded up a um, a a woman, a local woman, and accusing her of being a witch. And this clip shows you the fantastic logic on that they're trying, or deductive logic on they're they're trying to figure out whether she's actually a witch or not. And the local villagers want to burn her, but the local sheriff says, "Well, you've got to establish that she's a witch." So they use some fantastic logic to to establish that. It is the case she's a witch, so I'll play that clip now. We have found the witch, may we burn her? Burn her! you know she is a witch? She looks like one! Bring her forward. Not a witch, I'm not a witch. But you are dressed as one. They dressed me up like this. <laughs> and this isn't my nose, it's a false one. Well, 
Well, we did do the nose. The nose? And the hat. But she's a witch. Did you dress her up like this? No! 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 no. Yes. 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 A bit. A bit. A bit. She has got a wart. What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt. A newt. I got better. Better anyway! There are ways of telling whether she is a witch. Are there? What are they telling us? Tell me, what do you do with witches? And what do you burn apart from witches? More witches! Wood! So, why do witches burn? Because they're made of wood. Good! Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, how do we tell whether she is made of wood? Build a bridge out of her! Ah, but can you not also make bridges out of stone? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. Uh, uh, does a wood sink in water? No, no, no it floats. It floats. Throw her into the pond. <laughs> what also floats in water? Bread. Apples. Uh, very small rocks. Cider. A great gravy. Cherries. Mud. A churches. Churches. Lead. Lead. A duck. <laughs> exactly. So, logically, if... She weighs the same as a duck. She's made of wood. And therefore... A witch! A witch! We shall use my larger scales. And that's Monty Python, uh, The Search for the Holy Grail. And, yeah, I mean, you can't get much of a more clear example of non-secretaries than that, can you, Dad? No, in fact, uh, often if I get stuck in an argument, I, I just say, she's a witch, she's a witch. She's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that often um, really uh, brings everyone to a halt and gets me out of trouble. That's right, And, yeah, and yeah. really, I, I owe that uh, particular non-secretary to, to Monty Python. Python. Yeah, yeah. Well, they actually, in a lot of their um, their clips, actually, a lot of comedy is blatant non secretaries, isn't it? It's just the the actual um, the punchline just doesn't obviously follow logically from uh, the premise of the, the 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 little skit or whatever someone's doing, and so that's what makes it funny that they make an absurd situation. Uh, my just one quick another quick example of a of a good example, I think, of a realist a real non secretary uh, that I put on the website was about uh, a question that the ex- oh, the last Prime Minister of Australia, John Howard, fielded. I think it was about 2000 and, um, 2005. There were the uh, supposed race riots in Cronulla in Sydney and where basically it was a, a bunch of surfing morons fighting a bunch of um, Lebanese morons and they were just, you know, two gangs fighting and there was nothing more to it than that, really. And... But the Prime Minister was asked about it and by this reporter, and so cue uh, um, uh, idiotic questions from reporters. And the reporter said to the Prime Minister, um, do you think 
anything the government said over the last few years has set the tone for the actions on the weekend, to which the PM responded, which government? Your government. My government? The reporter said, yes. Certainly not, said the Prime Minister. What do you have in mind? The reporter said, your position on Iraq? The Prime Minister said, my position on Iraq? The reporter said, do you think that's had any influence on people feeling alienated? Prime Minister, with the appropriate response, in my view, my position on Iraq, you've got to be joking. And that's just, you know, you, you wonder, what are they teaching people in journalism school that they can think that's a, a, a sensible line of questioning? It's a pity more um, interviewees couldn't make a, a tough response like that. I, there have been some classics. Um, mm. uh, the walkouts are the classics when somebody asks a really stupid question, but... Um, uh, often taking the uh, interviewer at face value and responding to questions with another question is a way to do it. Schadenfreude. The guilty pleasures of humbug. Um, my my favourite non-secretary is... Well, I have a range of things that people have called at my door. Um, just, for example, uh, if a couple of people are trying to press religious tracks on me, Mm. Um, I have Shimo, as you know, he's, she's uh, quite dog, savage and yeah. quite protective and uh, when they come to the door she throws a fit and scream, barks and yells and all that kind of stuff and tries to smash through the door and uh, when the person says, would you be interested in finding out about our religion or something of that sort, I say, look, I'd, I'd love to find out about your religion. You know, it's the one thing in the world that I want to do right at this moment, but unfortunately my dog, I've consulted with my dog and she's a confirmed atheist. And so <laughs> the person sort of walks away. Well, one of the characteristics of a non-secretary is the person walks away with kind of synapses um, mm. snapping. You know, you can see the, the confusion in the head and they can't make a connection. And that's when you've employed a non-secretary deliberately Yeah, yep. uh, to terminate some kind of conversation like... Um, and, and that's legitimate use in that circumstance because your privacy is being, in, being invaded and so I don't feel guilty about uh, causing confusion under those circumstances. Yeah, well, I think my, um, my favourite uh, kind of one is when you're getting hassled along the street and someone you know, wants you to donate um, some money to some cause or whatnot and, um, you know, so you're walking along and someone's hassling you about, you know, animal rights or save the environment or you know, save the children, that kind of thing. And, and I am not against giving money in charities, but I am against getting hassled all the time. And so, yeah, I'll come up with some particular um, non-secretary that they can't really make a response to. So you walk by, someone's walking along, and, and you say, they say, oh, can you please stop and, you know, talk to me about this? And you say, oh, no, thanks, I can't do that. Um, I'm enormously wealthy. And you just walk <laughs> off. <laughs> so it doesn't actually make any sense. And it also makes them think you're a complete... <laughs> I won't use yes, the word. Yes, yes. I, I like that one. I must try that one myself. And yeah. there, there's there's one which is now in the category of dad's joke. You know, dad's jokes are things that um, dads learn when they're boys and they just can't let go of them and they use them all the time yeah. with their children and uh, then when they get a new audience, they use them again. Yeah. But I, I learned this one, one in the army and it was the, the, the sort of question that people ask all the time, like when they want to borrow something, they don't say, I want to borrow something. They say... Um, for example, have you got a pencil? And the implied question is, um, have you got a pencil which you could loan to me? But they just say, have you got a pencil? And so my response is always, 
yes, thanks, I'm right for pencils. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I walk away. And they're left in a state of confusion. That's the main thing. You've got to actually get away from them. Otherwise, that one doesn't work at all. But if you actually just Ab- walk absolutely. off. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, walk yeah. away immediately. Yeah. That's certainly the key to a good uh, evil use of non-secretors is to make sure you're throwing the opponent off balance. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, I've, so just just before you go, I, I've thought of a more, more obvious one which I'm going to use. I'm going to use the words non-secretor. So when somebody asks me anything, like if they... Just say, that's an odd sector. If I'm queuing for a coffee and they say, what's your first name? I'm going to say, that's a non-secretor. Yep. Um, or I'll give them my first name and I'll say non and my surname is secretary. <laughs> well, of course, that oh, now we're going completely off topic, but of course my favourite one, and I'll have to attribute to one of my mates, uh, Ben, shout out to Ben if you're listening, um, was to, uh, when you, uh, I don't know if this happens elsewhere in the world, but in Australia at certain coffee chains, I won't name names, they ask you for your first name when you order a coffee. And so uh, one of my mates suggested telling him your name is Bumalay. And spelt B-U-M hyphen H-O-L-E. So I'll let you spell that yourself. And so, of course, the person who takes the order doesn't isn't the one who reads it out. And so then the other person, you can watch the contortions on their faces. They're deciding, should I yell out this name? How do I pronounce this? And, uh, and you can, of course, come up with any of your own variations on that. Sorry, you prompted another one. Uh, I, I will be having to buy a pair of secateurs shortly. Ah, at, <laughs> at, at the hardware store. And so I'm going to get them from the shelf and I'm going to bring them out to the checkout. And I'm going to say, Do you have any non Are they secateurs or are they non secateurs? <laughs> I hope the person's educated so they can appreciate Yeah, it. so I'm just going to go, they're just not going to get that at all. So, no, yeah, no, no, no. yeah some, sometimes those good jokes are just wasted, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, so obviously, uh, make sure you up if you've linked to us, update your links uh, from Humbug Online to www.skepticsfieldguide.net, and make sure you download the ebook and spread the word. Uh, it's a free book, so you've, you can't beat free. Until next week, you can listen to Hunting Humbug One Hundred and One. So that was the original episode on non secateurs. Uh, don't forget, of course, you can uh, grab a copy of the ebook Humbug the Skeptics Field Guide to Spotting Fallacies and Thinking from the website, um, or Spotting Fallacies and Deceptive Arguments. I should try and remember the new name of it, shouldn't I? Uh, as I said at the beginning, should have a new episode in a fortnight, brand new episode, uh, but I quite enjoyed that one, uh, especially like a bit of Monty Python. And uh, the other thing is, if you get the chance, please go and rate the podcast on iTunes or any, uh, anywhere else you can give us a rate or a thumbs up or share it on social media or something like that. It's always good to get a few new listeners. So uh, anything you can do to help, that would be fantastic. Thanks a lot. And we'll see you in a fortnight. Or rather, you'll hear from me in a fortnight. Yeah, that's how this works, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>